1: Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of December 2008. For the newcomers to the show, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of hours of previous talks I've given and I try and give you the shortcuts to understanding the big, big picture as to what's really happening, why it's happening and I show you the massive collection of foundations and agencies and NGOs and professional people in the universities who are all working towards an agenda which you are really left out in the cold on. They don't tell you what it's about. They simply coerce you through various means. Also look into Alan sentinel.eu where you can find transcripts of these talks I've given. You can print them up and pass them around to your friends and they are done in the various languages of Europe. Now for those who Listen regularly. I'd like people to try and donate if they can. That keeps me going. This is brought to you by you. I don't ask for money from any show I'm on. And uh, I never have. I don't do commercials. I don't push commercials myself. The commercials you hear during the show pay for the airtime. They pay the staff. They pay for the equipment and so on. But I don't get anything out of that. So you have to help me keep going. I you can find on my website how you can donate, just pay power buttons on there. And you can also do personal check within the U.S. and Canada and Alaska. You can also use Western Union. And some people, of course, who are a bit smarter, just put a note in an envelope, a monetary note, and post it off. It saves you cash. It saves me cash as well. And the bankers don't get their little cups, which sometimes isn't so little. about this big reality that people think is reality and yesterday I mentioned uh, on a YouTube YouTube there are 16 parts to a, a series called Taking Liberties documenting the farce that's going on in Great Britain and since 2001 began it really began before 2001 they tried to get the ID card through in 2008 and what's really surprising and sad is that the people who are really trying to to demonstrate, trying to regain their liberties, I don't think quite get the fact that this is a must-be situation. The police don't follow any regular laws, as you would say. They do as they wish. They push the people around. And once they've beaten up people, they try and justify it by the person rushing at them or whatever. They'll always cover their gluteus maximus themselves, but what's happening in Britain is happening across the whole of the, the British Commonwealth, as they call it, and Britain still has a Commonwealth. Whoever the Queen has a representative present over Parliament, you have, you're part of the British establishment in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and some others still have this going on. But it's not that that really is surprising What's really more surprising, unless you go into the history of it, is how come the United States has parallel systems for every organization in in Britain that's running the show for every think tank that's on board with the whole agenda. There's uh, one in the United States uh, set up exactly the same. This took long, long long-term planning during the Cold War to bring all this into effect reality as i say people don't quite get it that they're not going to get their their freedoms back because it's a whole big agenda which is coming into view now and to change the world and everyone in it as it goes along be back with more after the following break What we're cutting through the matrix And I'm trying to go into another area The area which helps to give us a reality Across the world, reality is being standardized Has been standardized, in fact, except for a few countries They're being pummeled into the ground right now And once that's over, they'll they'll bring up a generation uh, Trained by UNESCO to be the first democratic uh, government for their, their system and that's what the standardization of the Middle East is all about they already have hammered Christianity what's left of it is so punch drunk and happy in a sense I'm happily punch drunk that it goes along with anything and I've got documents on that too with the interfaith that's going on and if I get time today I will through some of that from the big organizations themselves but People have heard me talk about how reality is created by professionals, and they call it technique, scientific technique. Governance and governance uh, technique relies upon scientific technique to make policies that the public will accept unwittingly, in fact, because we don't really think critically. We hear little bits and bites on the news. And we pirate those bits and bytes. And we, we basically pirate the system, the next part of the system, into existence without critically analyzing it or even really understanding it. People go along with anything as long as everyone else is going along with it. That's that's a basic premise for controlling the mass man and woman. But someone sent me a link a few days ago and it ties right in with but I've talked about often and I'm talking about the writings of Bertrand Russell who kind of laid the groundwork at least openly in his books for the first time so the, the general public could read it although it was really intended for his own kind the scientific elite and it didn't stop with Bertrand Russell he, he laid the groundwork for professors in certain areas, for certain fields of study across the world that are now all networked together because everyone in academia knows where their bread is buttered. They know which way the wind blows and everything to do with their political correctness is telling them that you've got to get on board and be part of the unification of the world idea and you must use behavior modification to alter society. And it's funny, after this, this, this particular article was sent to me, I did something I rarely do, on a Sunday, or any time at all, and I turned on the television to see what public broadcasting was saying. And public broadcasting is one of the, the main indoctrination channels out there for the environmentalists and so on. Uh, but at this time, they were going on about uh, how they educate children not to be prejudiced against anything. And that these little children are around the ages of five and six, and they were giving them a story about... A same-sex couple, and they're telling it as it like a fairy tale, no pun intended. But uh, the, the the they were saying that these, these two loved each other very very much, and they were persecuted and and, and and they were attacked by society in general. And then I I just switched the thing off. And then I thought about it. I said, you know, do they have the rights to give opinions? You see, when you are giving. It becomes a, a behavior into a child, to children, behavior through fiction. How can you justify that to begin with? You see, that's what the churches had for centuries. All you could put on were morality plays. And the particular morality plays always bolstered the church and the feudal system that prevailed for centuries, many, many centuries. One would bolster the other. And that's all the people knew. That in itself was behavior modification in a very simplistic form done with repetition. And you can alter anyone's mindset and give them any opinion if you only give them part of any story. That's how the whole of society is treated with pretty well every major topic. But again, back to this link the guy sent me and he's talking about a professor of Utuente University in Holland, who is part of a worldwide network, obviously, to do with behavior modification of the masses. Now, I have government documents here with their own departments for behavior modification of the masses, but this is a particular guide that, no doubt, advises governments. And the person who sent me the link, basically, he's also said this, that he's put into his own words the summary of this article. And the article is on Persuasive Technology and Moral Responsibility by Peter Paul Verbeek, who just churns out books faster than I can go back and forth to the toilet, which means there's a big staff behind them all churning this stuff out like all big writers do. But these people really have a big input into governmental uh, policy to deal with us. so this this is what he says in his own words this guy when he summed it all up Um, it is important that we who are part of the scientific ruling elite have the scientifically established evidence of the moral justification of the use of persuasive technologies we develop the moral standard methodology accordingly and we have a new scientifically established definition of freedom Remember what Bush said in one of his big speeches after 9-11? The new freedom, the redefined freedom. You think it came from Bush? No, it came from guys like this, you see. it's so that we can continue our mass behavior influencing practices unhindered by other standards of morality maintained by a small minority of proles, that's the boys at the bottom, whose definition of freedom we will not tolerate and we will not permit to exist any longer because it is not scientifically valid and therefore unreliable. Now, this is this person who summed this up in those words, as this guy prattles through the actual, the actual uh, paper itself on persuasive technology and moral responsibility. And here are some quotes here from the book itself or, or the paper itself. Moreover, the very practice of technological persuasion can raise moral questions in itself because it might be seen as a threat to human autonomy, a source of moral laziness, or an anti-democratic force in society, which lets designers rather than representatives of the people steer our behavior. So in other words, he's admitting, you see, that people design our behavior. It doesn't come from representatives of the people that steer us. Our behavior is designed for us. I've been telling you your whole culture your whole life long and your parents too were given to them. Another quote here says technological persuasion can be seen as a specific manifestation of the more encompassing phenomenon of technological mediation. This concept indicates the ways in which technologies inevitably and often implicitly help to shape human actions and perceptions by establishing relations between users and their environment. Now what Skinner said You alter the behavior of people by altering something within their environment, be it an iPod, TV, radio, the Internet, whatever. Another quote says, First, technologies help to shape how reality can be present for human beings by by uh, by meditating or mediating human perception and interpretation. So in other words, reality can be present for human beings by mediating human perception, mediating your perception. I've said that that's how the ancient priests used to do it. You looked at a rock, uh, you would see a rock, but if the priest got into your brain first and told you what it was, you wouldn't see a rock anymore, you'd see something else. You'd see what he said it was. And he also gets into interpretation, that's in the quote as well. They will give you your interpretation. Second, technologies help to shape how humans are present in reality by mediating human action and practices. The mediatory capacities regarding human action are often indicated with the concept of scripts, as developed by Madeleine Ackrich in 1992 and Bruno Latour in 1992. Just like the script of a theatre play or a movie tells actors what to do at what moment, technologies can prescribe their users how to act when they are used. Mediation of action usually takes shape in encouraging or inviting specific forms of action while discouraging or inhibiting other actions. The mediating role of technologies in human experience is often indicated as technological intentionality. Technologies are directed at specific aspects of reality and help to shape our perceptions and interpretations accordingly. Such intentionalities usually take Shape and amplifying specific perceptions while reducing others, thus providing a specific basis for interpreting what is perceived. Explicit per- reflection on the possible meeting and roles of technology and design should therefore be part of the moral responsibility of designers. In other words, there is a moral aspect here, and, and, and they must, those who are designing this, to alter our behaviour take all of this into consideration because they also know where they want to take us in their modification. They include trust. To what extent consumers trust the creators of persuasive technologies? Well, the answer is, you can't. The world is one long, long history of tyrants who want total control over every single individual and your thoughts. That's that's coming into view right now. And he says responsibility, who can be held responsible for the resulting behavior of users? Reliability, can we be sure the persuasion does not have undesirable effects? I mean as she is so it's so perfect. It's so perfect in behavior modification that even their mistakes can have undesirable effects. They have to work out all of these possibilities before they introduce it into society. And I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm discussing... Practicals from those who influence and alter our behavior. They call it behavior modification. And they go through different techniques they use to get ideas across. Remember, Bertrand Russell himself said that they'd have to get Madison Avenue on board. They already had it when he said it. Whenever they admit something, you find they've been doing it for years. And throughout um, the history of this upgrading of the New World Order, the system we're in today, of increasing totalitarianism. They create a perfectly, perfect world of peace. Someone designs or, or, or decides what peace is supposed to be. And in their world, of course, everyone must be perfectly predictable. That's the key to it, perfect predictability for every individual on the planet. That's why you have cameras everywhere. That's why they're encouraging cameras to be used all throughout people's homes. The youngsters are, are falling for it after watching the reality shows. They admit to put the cameras in some computer screens. They admit they can go into the, the microphones and turn them on and listen to your conversations. And some of these black boxes that we're using for high definition TV have cameras in them and that's been the mainstream media. What a deal. They can watch you. The idea being that you will hopefully gradually forget the need of privacy. In fact, the youngsters already have pretty well forgot what privacy is. It's almost, they see they've been trained in socialism that they've been well taken care of and there's no nasty people out there that has all their data or who's watching them, who has any bad designs on them. That's what they believe. They're trained that way. This is the dream of tyrants down through the ages. But getting back to this particular professor who's an international character, as they all are at this level, this Peter Paul Verbeek, professor of philosophy. He says, when introducing technologies that explicitly aim to influence human behavior on a large scale, such technologies need to, be to meet specific requirements in order to be morally acceptable. In other words, they're looking at us at the bottom, what we think is moral, and they design it to fit what you think is your morality. One of the most important requirements is that users can trust the technology they are using. So here they are too, and it's true enough, the cell phones and all the rest of it, people use them, and it's already been out again in mainstream, they've been tracking people ever since they gave them out in the first place. And they've used it supposedly in one or two criminal investigations, probably a lot more. Therefore, people will compromise their privacy and freedom for something that's quick and easy to use. It gives their freedoms away. But this particular professor is called Professor Peter Paul Verbeek, Associate Professor of Philosophy at the Department of Philosophy, University of Twente, and the Netherlands, and Director of the International Master Programme of Philosophy of Science, Technology and uh, Society. He is also editor of the journal Tech Research in Philosophy and Technology, and a member of the Board of the Society for Philosophy and Technology. From 2009, Verbeek is a member of the Young Academy, which is part of the Royal Netherlands Academy of Arts and Sciences, and I'll put these links up to his various articles at the end of the show, to show you what really is going on. But what's even more interesting, is you see, people never associate these things as being a cluster of, of things to inter-work together, they're interconnected all together. Here's one that fits right into. It's from the the British Cabinet Office. And it's from the Prime Minister's Strategy Unit. This is called Personal Responsibility and Changing Behaviour. The State of Knowledge and Its Implications for Public Policy. This was first done in 2004, but it's updated every year. And the U.S. has its own department, too. So does Canada. I'll say this again, personal responsibility and changing behavior, the state of knowledge and its implications for public policy. It says here, use a whole list of the whole thing of all of its mandates. Government can't do it alone, enhancing personal responsibility as a good in its own right. They rationalize why they should give the public their personal behavior that's going to be tied in with number 1.3 improving cost effectiveness so it's going to be cost effective all of these pro- this programming and this, this behavior modification establishing a division of responsibility between individual and state then you go to the theories of behavioral change this is the government I, I, I tell you they give you your whole culture they give you your thoughts and your behavior your provisional correctness we adapt. Exploring alternative approaches to behavioral change. Then they go into what the rational man is. Understanding the ecology of human behavior. Individual level theories. Interpersonal behavioral theories. Community theories of behavior. And they go into this in big detail because that works so well. It's very important to them. How they create a particular type of community where everybody palates the same sort of stuff to each other. And you don't have any individualism at all. And they go into individuals because individuals, as we know, is marked down as an enemy of the United Nations and every government on the planet. They don't like that at all. They also go into ways to punish and force and coerce people into behavior modification en masse. I'll put this link up too at the end of the show. We'll be back after this break with more.
2: You're
0: listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Trying to cram a lot into an hour, which isn't very long at all. Especially when you can trail off into so many... Associated directions on a, on a particular topic to do with behaviour modification on a global scale, and everything really that comes from the UN and all of its affiliates and all of the NGOs and foundations has, has, is at the root cause or, or, or the root of all of this behaviour modification for their perfect world. But they also want us to be very meek and humble people as we die off, and they bring in the new man and. 30 years or so after we've had the riots and so on. But they want us to be well-managed as we go into food uh, crisis and water crisis and and so on and, and die off quietly. That's what they hope. And I got articles from the military, as I say, where they talk about these upcoming riots. They talk about uh, how they'll cram everyone into the major cities, even have maps on their website of the major crowded uh, cities, And that's why, too, uh, these big cities haven't had their infrastructure updated for many, many years. They knew years ago that they'd let them all crumble to pieces because they wouldn't need them after they'd served their purpose. And we were all pretty well died off. They admit there's going to be pandemics and very poor quality sanitation, etc. And the disease will be pretty rampant. This is the predictions for the future from all of our betters and the intellectual elite, they're using on behalf of the guardian class. That's what Plato called the ones at the top, the guardians. So we have to go into behavior modification to give them an easy time of it while all this is going down. And before I go to callers, here's another article here. I now mean, mentioned that the interfaith uh, organizations were set up beginning with the World Council of Churches that Mr. Rockefeller was the head of for a long time. And his whole idea was to standardize religions and bring them all together into really a new religion. They'd, they'd lose all of their fundamentalism and the true beliefs and end up sort of rewashed, soapy, suds, kind of happy type little clubs that you go to and wave your hands about a lot and get a fix every weekend or Sunday or whatever. And that's pretty well happened in most, most of these Christian churches today. There's no hell anymore because hell is here. And there's no evil anymore, because that's essential from the Kabbalah of the high group that runs this whole world. The Kabbalah does not believe there's good or really evil. It's a matter of human judgment, and something always benefits out of it at the end. That's basic Kabbalistic teachings. And you find that John Dee and Bacon and others of, of the 1500s around the Queen Elizabeth the First court were all cabalists. They called it Christian Kabbalah at that time because they adapted the, the, the Jewish Kabbalah into Christianity. And they've never stopped since there. And it's all through Freemasonry as well, by the way, for those Masons at the bottom who don't know anything about it, but then they don't know much at all at the bottom. Generating the renewable energy of hope, the Earth charter guide to religion and to climate change. Another, they have got, got them all on board now They've all had the same brainwashing through the same television, magazines, and newspapers. They only use them. And by the way, if you wonder why Tony Blair had turned Catholic, it was nothing to do with him believing in religion. It's just his next phase, his next job. He's been pushed on to do because he's already come out and said his job is to bring all the religions together. That's his main function. That's why he became Catholic. That's the real reason why. Now, the Earth Charter, remember, was put out there by Maurice Strong on behalf of the Rockefeller Foundation and the United Nations. Under the Earth Charter, people have to diminish in numbers while animals are rewilded into the regions we're presently living in. It's quite amazing, they're rewilding the the countryside around us with wolves and so on, while we're still living in it. In some parts of the state, the proven mountain cats. They've been killing off domestic cattle and so on that's the height of arrogance the height of arrogance it's like bringing in new tenants before you've moved out the home but then they do have their agenda and nothing can stop it and we shouldn't be in the way according to them and that's all we are is in the way right now so they're getting they're getting all the churches on board with the agenda and there's all their acknowledgements there too and I'll put this link up as well and then they go on about setting the contents. Why do we need this guide? Who should read this guide? Probably not me. Ban Ki-moon's call to people of faith to support the struggle against global warming. So get them all on board with this global warming farce. And all the top scientists are saying, we're in a cooling period, and places across the planet are having snow that they haven't had for 50 years. Then they go on about the facts about climate change. So these brainwashed new types of religious people uh, will be a good force to use. Now I've said in the past they never ever uh, miss the chance of using already established groups of people. They love groups. They love big organisations because they can take them over and use them. It's much easier than trying to persuade people on a one-to-one basis. They have environmental challenges, social challenges, economic and political challenges, ethical challenges the transformative power of faith and hope, religious responses to climate change, ecumenical Christianity, church-based projects, the Catholic Church, where you've got Tony Blair there now doing the same thing, Patriarch Bartholomew, the First and Orthodox Christianity, the Evangelical Community, Coalition on the Environment and Jewish Life, Muslim Responses, Buddhism, interfaith projects and organizations, then its assessment at the bottom. This is the Earth Charter's Integrated ethical Climate change, the background of the charter. Remember in that charter, human beings were brought down, uh, in fact, lower than the level of insects. The insects and animals all have rights, sort of trees and grass, but we have no rights whatsoever. Maurice Strong said that at the meeting when he was asked about human rights. He says, you'll wish you had the same rights as a tree. Now we have all these stupid people with their hand wavings and so on from all these modern groups of religions that have lost all their sustenance, all their salt is gone, has lost their savor, but they're great being an army of religious people to be used for the big agenda. Never miss their opportunity of our using big groups. I'll put this link up as well so people can have an idea of what's happening throughout their churches and so on. Now, we'll go to the, the phones now, and we've got, well, we did have someone from Idaho here. Sean from Idaho, are you there? Yeah, hi, Alan. Hello. How are you tonight? I'm hanging in under a, a mountain of snow here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's pushing our way. And I, just real quick, on a first light note, I always get a kick out of when you say Rockefeller. Yeah. House of cattle cattle herders, right? That's right. And uh, they actually
1: used to use a symbol. You see, in the occult, they use a symbol of the Zodiac for all these main characters. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that uh, there's always a representative for Bootes. Bootes is the herd driver in the Zodiac. He drives the herd. He whips the herd in the direction they want to go. And that's what Rockefeller's job is. Because he's still a worker bee? Yeah, he himself is still a, a high up in the beehive there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but he's not the top character, of, of course, as well. Sure. Uh, he didn't set up this, the system of foundations, but his, his uh, predecessors certainly did tell, or were told, how to set them up and what their function would be.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't call in about that. I'll, I just had a couple of quick comments, and then one pertinent question relating to the... Couple of the articles you were talking about, about persuasive technology. But about global warming, real quick, I was on, uh, AccuWeather site, that's how I check my weather. And there was a global warming blog on there, so I went and read this article, and they're talking about how global warming started, you know, 5,000 years ago, and these rice paddies, and this and that, and I went to make a comment, made a comment, you know, about the Club of Rome, First Global Revolution, then yeah. I came back, you know, a day later see how many more comments, and every one of the comments was was against this article and saying what a farce it was. Yes. Yet, as it's presented the media, everybody is for this, you know, farce.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And the <laughs> articles here, where they, they talk about the, the role of the media in the future. Again, it's from the United Nations, mm-hmm. uh, saying that much of the stuff that the, the media will be promulgating to the public Um will be basically fake news or or partial truth <laughs> or complete lies uh, for social order yeah
0: mm-hmm. and you know what i just uh, the other thing too i wanted to say is you know i, I, I get this i, I it, this is a war and people better wake up <clears throat> right now because you know this whole economy thing this is a, just a diversion you know and like mm-hmm. you've said they're just taking back what they've given to the people for the last 70 years And people have no memories. They don't, you know, realize in the 1800s they've done this a few times, you know, the the previous century a few times. Mm -hmm. You know, and this economy is is such a diversion to to what is really going on right now. Well, that article I read last night from a PDF on the economy um,
1: and the future for sustainability in, I think it was page 24, 25, and I read at the end of the show, it actually said that uh, if the economy was to fall apart, and basically go bankrupt, it would certainly help the agenda for sustainable development. They could make use of it. That's right in their own writings there.
0: Right. Well, anyway, I'll get to my question real quick. Uh, You know, and and it has to do with the the uh, parietal lobe. And I've recognized, I guess, that all of our conditioning, all of our indoctrination, you know, you've made the statement before that, uh, it's, you know, the parietal lobe in most people is shut off. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking, well, why is it shut off? We wouldn't be able to, to really think. But then I realized what they've done is downloaded into us everything that they want us to see and everything they want yes. us, us to think, how to speak, mm-hmm. you know. Because I know for me, you know, the last few months getting into the coding, I mean, I, I, I see things differently now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah
0: with these words. So can you just speak to that for for just a minute?
1: Yes. You have to go back even as far back as the times of uh, Zoroaster, also called Zarathustra, and how the priests operated on the people there, with already uh, incredible information, which must have come from an earlier time, and how perceptions were formed by the people and how uh, different parts of the brain, they they knew this from, from war. Because he used a lot of clubs and war and axes and so on, a lot of head injuries. So they knew which parts were injured and how it affected the people who survived.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they it had done pretty well, Pat. But they did know that, that they could alter the perceptions of people. Um, and a good example is coming up for this uh, Christmas time, the winter solstice. Mm-hmm. A- ancient priests used to um, threaten the people, masses of people, whole nations of people, the sun wouldn't rise again unless the priests were given all the goodies and riches and so on. They'd do their little magic act, and, and then for three days the sun would hang, hang still, and then it would start to rise again more north every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so they saved the world. And they pulled that con off for thousands of years in ancient times. So yeah. nothing has changed. Today the view, the, it's global warming, something none of us can prove either except them, supposedly. Uh, NASA's the only ones who, whose equipment to detect this NASA's the only ones with equipment to detect the so-called hole in the ozone um, So they can keep this farce going for as long as they want to It's mm-hmm. the same idea And they make you unsure of your own thoughts, your own perceptions, your own reality You're, you're told basically who you only believe Your lying eyes as the snow piles up around your, your neck uh, or, or them And we're, we're actually getting warmer so this is a great con, but it's obvious that they're not going to backtrack on it because they literally decided this 30 odd years ago, and they made this a priority. So they're, they're not going to backtrack. This is for the whole agenda for sustainable development. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's for sure. Well, hey, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. And just just one last quick thing. I, I saw Orion, uh, Ryan, Orion Ryan rising. Yes. Last night, three, mm-hmm. three wise men are, are looking at Sirius. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: thanks. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. And over 2,000 years ago, uh, when uh, Orion rose, there was an alignment with the moon, uh, the new moon, the nascent moon, which is a nascent moon. And in the middle was, was again, uh, the very bright star. And that's why they chose that particular era as well. They bring it forth. Now, of course, Sirius itself is a dog star. That's the eye of the dog star that trails Orion. That, that originally was not, it was about the three wise men lined up with with a star uh, that was still to the right of it as it rose. Uh, yes, yeah, all occultic stuff, but priests down through the ages have had us all in chains. Now it's a scientific priesthood, very precise, very precise in what it does. They also have mass media coverage right to your home. Everyone's got TV. Everyone gets the same brainwashing. Here's the same stuff. So they can brainwash us en masse. It's a mass entertainment. It's a mass tool for indoctrination. And they're also teaching children um, at every level from kindergarten onwards uh, about global warming and sustainability and too many people, etc., 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 etc. It's phenomenal. You know, Hitler... Really, really is a choir boyer compared to these boys who run this world. And we've got to understand, yes, they've had a war on us, and they have been killing us. They have been murdering us off for years by design. And like Arnold Toynbee said, the great internationalist and and the teacher for Rhodes Scholars, he said, we always deny with our mouths that which we do with our hands. They can't admit what they've been doing, even though the evidence is all out in front of us. Everyone's dropping dead with cancers. The average doctor today believes that the trainee going through their medical training is taught that it's quite normal. That wasn't the case 30, 40 years ago. And many cancers were very, very rare indeed. What happened in between that time, the inoculation program started up full, full tilts. And the food, of course, was modified and altered and so on. And heavy pesticides were used as well. We're seeing the end result of a plan because they knew this would happen. Just the reports I've read about the bisphenol A and the the, the various phthalates, the views, they knew this in the late 1800s, what it would do, mainly to the human male. It would make them sterile. So they make that a priority to get into your food. They give us the statistics of us declining steadily from the 50s onwards in sterility. And if this went to a court of law where evidence, the preponderance of evidence, dictates the verdict, we'd have to find them guilty. Because this is all mandated and allowed by these very agencies, these governmental agencies that you think are there to protect you. They mandated the stuff we put in, the food's, Government's already said that Monsanto and all the GMO food is to get a free hands now and are complaining is going to do nothing about it. They're going to go ahead with it to kill more of us off faster. Back with more after this break. cutting through the matrix, and we have on the phones Terry from
2: Texas. Are you there, Terry? Hello, Terry? Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Connection was so bad, I could barely hear you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, to substantiate, as you've been sitting there laying out all the uh, foundation for your argument, to substantiate the... uh, conditioning that we're doing and that's being, you know, done to us and the uh, breaking down of the barriers of privacy, those boundaries, yes. I will have to say, and then you further uh, connected that with using groups. Yeah. And the first thought, you know, well, not first thought, well, obviously the, the biggest groups that are being used are students, you know, particularly university students. And in particular... Yeah, always the professors and then the students. That's right. Yeah. And particularly Ivy League students. Now this gets me back to a story that occurred to me a year ago. I went to go visit a friend of mine. Their kid goes to uh, Yale University. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And at Yale, I guess when you go there, you uh, are immediately put into what they call, I think, a college or a hall. Yes. I think there's five colleges or halls at Yale, and the one she was at was called Trumbull College. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I guess basically it's just a dormitory. And so I was there, I was visiting him, and I'd mentioned to her that I need to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And um, she was always just go down the hall. And so then I came back out, and I saw a girl go in, and then a guy. And I came back, and I asked her, I go, what's this all? Oh, they're co-ed. So yeah. I went back in the bathroom, and I'm looking at this bathroom, Alan, and I'm saying to myself, you know, it's got a shower in there. And you know how, like, when you have a bathroom toilet stall it's kind of a high, you know, it's kind of low and kind of high. You can see up underneath somebody's feet there, and you can see above, but it's not, yeah. you know, you'd have to really peer above. The dang door on this thing couldn't have been more than, I'm using going based on memory, couldn't have been more than five foot, five and a half foot tall. Yeah. Anybody that wanted to peer into that, if you're a woman, a guy, you're looking in, a quick glance. I mean, there, there was really, this bathroom, there was no decorum or sense of privacy if you were a male or female and when I put up a big stink about it, I was the one that was looked at like I had a third eyeball.
1: Yes, because they've been brought up under the communist system. Basically, it's, it's, it's the Soviet system where there's no real difference between the male and the female. And, and that's all part of the conditioning process as well. well under the guise of equality, what they're doing is eradicating the distinction of male and female.
2: Yeah. Well, and this, see, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where, you know, you can here, you, you have a caller calling in like myself who's actually seen it, can actually go to Yale and go to Trumbull College and look at the co-ed bathrooms, and you would be appalled. You would absolutely be appalled. I, I I, realized the whole day I was freaking out about it. They thought, like I said, that I was crazy. But here you go. I mean, when you get that conditioning set in place, um, you know, it, it's definitely incrementalism.
1: It, it is incrementalism, and also it's no coincidence that when Matt Tong was uh, dishing out the same blue overalls for males and females. In his genderless society, uh, they were promoting uh, jeans, blue jeans, for males and females back in the West at the same time. There was no coincidence whatsoever. That was planned that way, too. And that they called it unisex over here, We all turn into one sex or one gender. That's all part of the the agenda as well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, very that's good. Fine. I just wanted to—I wanted to alliterate. I wanted to substantiate exactly what you're saying, yeah. because I saw it from my very own eyes.
1: No, well, thanks for calling in. Good night. Good night. Well, that's it for me from a uh, very snowy interior Canada, where it's really coming down something else uh, under this global warming—more snow than ever. So from Hamish and myself, it's good night, and may God or your gods go with you.